What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL and hot damn, it is good to talk about a Bruins win once again. It has been Oh, so long since we had that feeling of victory. And after a double overtime decision against the Carolina Hurricanes in game one, the Bruins have their first win in the bubble, as well as a one nothing series lead uh, in the first round here of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Before we get to that, let me remind you that the show is available wherever podcasts can be found. So whether you have an Apple phone or an Android, you can subscribe to the podcast and each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. You can follow me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. For those of you who don't know me, I am a former contributor at SB Nation, having written on both uh, Cup of Chowder, Fear the Fin, and Second City Hockey. And I was also a writer at The Score, covering all things hockey for their mobile app uh, a few years ago, which was a great experience. So yeah, I'm on Twitter, making dad jokes at ENC McLaren, and you can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. So let's get into what was... You know, a crazy situation for the Bruins to begin with, considering they were supposed to play on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. That game was bumped due to the marathon between the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay Lightning that ended with the Lightning winning in quintuple overtime. So the game was bumped to 11 a.m. on Wednesday. And again, after five long months, the Bruins finally got their first win since March 10th when they ended the regular season with a 2-0 win over the Philadelphia Flyers for their 100th point of the season. Wednesday was, uh, yeah, just (laughs) quite an experience. I personally was working at the time. So, uh, you know, I had one eye on my day job, another eye on my second screen, which was... uh, you know, playing the game. And it was, as we know, a back and forth affair. Uh, The Bruins gave up the opening goal to send us all into a pit of despair, but each team scored once in each of the regulation time periods. And then after a scoreless first overtime in which the Bruins largely dominated, our man Patrice Bergeron was finally able to end it very early in the second overtime. And yeah, thank goodness for Patrice Bergeron for sure. Now the Bruins, I thought, you know, pretty much deserved to win this game just based on how the ebbs and flows of the game uh, proceeded. I know there was the controversial goal in favor of the Bruins that Carolina Hurricanes head coach, um, Rod Brindamore complained about afterwards and was shortly thereafter assessed a $25,000 fine for 
right? $25,000 for uh, criticizing the officiating. Uh, I thought it should be, well, I don't know. It's hard to say if it should have been a goal or not, but, you know, the right call for us was made, and the Bruins, despite taking a 3-2 lead in the third period, gave up a goal uh, on Hayden Fleury's kind of blind point shot that found its way past Tuka Rask. A lot of people um, were critical of Rask's play, I think that one he he just didn't see. The first one he maybe should have had, but the shorthanded breakaway goal was a pretty nice move, and I'm not really going to fault him for that. We'll get into in a moment here whether or not uh, Bruce Cassidy should consider starting Yaroslav Halak in Game 2, considering it will be uh, the second of a back-to-back situation. But like I said, I thought the Bruins uh, deserved to win this game just based on uh, the fact that they largely dominated play for the majority of the game. If you look at naturalstatric.com, which gives you a, a picture of who controlled the play, the Bruins held a 55 to 45% advantage in Corsi at uh, five on five play. That would be, um, you know, in, in terms of shot attempts, overall shots, they had a, Advantage of 35 to 23. Scoring chances, 43 to 32. High danger scoring chances, 13 to 10. And in terms of expected goals, about 2.5 to 1.8. So all that together, the Bruins certainly played well enough to get the W in this game. And it probably shouldn't not have gone to double overtime, all things considered. The Bruins had a load of chances in regulation and through overtime, a post here, a crossbar there. Jake DeBrusque had about a billion glorious chances that he wasn't able to bury, and his agent must have been freaking out because he's trying to get his uh, contract up to a valuation that's maybe a little bit otherworldly, but uh, that's, uh, that's a conversation for another day. Now, Bergeron of this game, he said, you know, The fact that it was delayed is one of those things where it's out of their control. They knew it was a possibility as the game went longer and longer. They didn't expect five overtimes, but it's part of having a tournament like this one in a single rink. They tried to stay composed. They were ready Tuesday night, got their pregame meal in. When the decision was made, they were fine. They just went back to the hotel, tried to focus on this game, and try to go about their routine as easily as possible. Now, after going winless in the round robin and exhibition, uh, Bruce Cassidy said they tried to keep the tone positive, the veteran core that we've been lauding here for a while. They kept things pretty even keeled and nobody was tearing anybody down. According to Bruce Cassidy, it's not the time of year to do that. They're trying to motivate and encourage each other. And it really paid off. Uh, They weren't relieved Cassidy said to get the win. These guys are battle-tested. They've got a lot of trust in these guys. Even though they've played together a long time, it's been four months and change since they were on the ice in a meaningful game. Now they're coming into a part of the season that's high stakes. Knew there'd be a little bit of rust, and it would take some time for them to make some little plays. And, uh, you know, the play that led to Boston's 
game-winning goal was uh, picture-perfect of that. Just the top line playing at its finest. Uh, that was missing in the round robin, and that line certainly looked more alive than it had at any point since jumping back into play. Also encouragingly was the performance of the second line. David Krejci scored a goal, and he looked uh, very sharp playing with Jake DeBrusque and Andre Kasha. Kasha looked his best that he's been in a Bruins uniform to date. And, you know, the goal has always been to get better and better with each game. And the Bruins certainly played their best game in the bubble to date to get the win here. Uh, Bergeron said, we know we're playing a very good team, high checking, very fast. It's about finding a way. We talked about, especially in overtime, putting the puck on net. You never know what can happen. The Hurricane certainly proved that with Hayden Fleury's goal. Uh, tough matchup, he said. Tough games, especially when the ice after five periods gets a little choppy out there. So you have to make sure you get the puck on net and have guys get some rebounds. On this one, it was more of a rush play. But that being said, keep things simple. And Bergeron certainly did that with his beautiful shot that got past Peter Mrazek for the win. Um... The beauty of the line, Cassidy said, is that they can make all the plays. They can finish them. He wasn't surprised how it played out in terms of which guys scored and who made the plays because we've seen them all wear hats in terms of playmaking and goal scoring, and certainly the chemistry came through there. That was on full display as well in the first goal for the Bruins, which was scored by David Pasternak on just a ridiculous cross Crease feed by Brad Marchand that found its way on a Pasternak stip. Stip? I mean stick. And uh, he deftly put home. So all that together, it was a very encouraging performance for the Bruins. Uh, we'd like to see a bit more finish, less uh, closeness. Don't really want it to come down to the Ford Final Five and beyond. Uh, if the Bruins had had a bit more finish in this one, it could have been uh, easily... Uh, more lopsided score, but although, as I mentioned, uh, the Hurricanes certainly thought that they were on the wrong end of the stick when it came to that Charlie Coyle goal. Like I mentioned, Brandon Moore has been fined twenty-five grand for comments following Game One of the team's first-round series against the Bruins. The fine is a conditional fine of twenty-five thousand dollars, which will be collected in addition to any subsequent discipline in the event of similar inappropriate behavior through August 12th, 2021. So Rod Brindamore kind of on watch here. Uh, and you'll have to monitor both his criticism of the officials and his comments in post-game situations for the next year. With Game 2 set for tonight at 8 p.m., the Bruins will have a quick turnaround and little time to consider any possible adjustments for Game 2. Um, I'm recording this prior to the morning skate and when Bruce Cassidy may announce such changes. But there are two that I think he should, maybe even three that he should consider. The first being giving Yaroslav Halak the start in net. The Bruins schedule was already condensed with a possible game six and seven going to be a back-to-back situation. And with this being a back-to-back you know, statistically, it's always, well, generally better to start uh, a backup over uh, 
your starting goalie playing two days in a row. I know it's a noon and 8 p.m. situation, so that might help a bit. Uh, Rask, he looked okay in this one. Certainly, there was room for criticism on the first goal. Um, you can't necessarily fault him on the breakaway scored by Brock McGinn, but the Hayden Flurry goal, you know, it's debatable whether or not he was uh, screened on that one as well. So they were kind of unfortunate goals, not necessarily ugly goals. Maybe you want to get him back in there just to keep his confidence up, although I don't think he struggles in that area. Or maybe you want to get Halak in there just to keep him fresh, give him some game action, and, you know, you have the series lead. Halak is, as we all know, very competent in net. So for the sake of freshness, Rask did miss practice earlier this week due to a maintenance day. Um, so maybe you want to give Halak a start. I, I don't know if I'm endorsing that, but... It's something to strongly consider at the very least. What I am endorsing is a change on the third line. If there was one weakness for the Bruins in game one, it was the play of Nick Ritchie. His job out there, sure he can score uh, in the regular season. He dropped the gloves, but his whole shtick is winning board battles and being a physical presence out there, creating some space for his teammates. He didn't really accomplish that in game one. And quite often he left Charlie Coyle and Anders Bjork, uh, left them out to dry. Uh, so I would consider or endorse, suggest, recommend, Bruce, if you're listening, I know you're not, but um, I would put Anders Bjork on the left side of that line and then substitute either Carson Kuhlman or uh, Jackson Nika in on the right side. Ideal, I would probably say Carson Kuhlman just because he has that playoff experience under his belt. And we know that he can uh, flash some speed. Uh, he's aggressive on the forecheck and might be able to generate a bit more offense on that third line and create some matchup problems. One of the Bruins' strengths, as we saw in Game 1, is the fact that they can roll out four lines that are effective in their own ways. The top line is what it is. We expect them to control possession and to create chances and to, uh, you know, stymie the opposition. The second line showed itself to be what we hope it can be with um, just David Krejci leading the way and actually having two competent scoring wingers to work with for the first time in his life. Uh, that's maybe a stretch, but in recent memory, uh, the fourth line, penalty killing, forechecking, bringing some energy. And then that third line, if it can be consistent and effective, can really throw a wrench into the opposition because it's kind of a pick-your-poison situation into as to sorry, how and who you defend, you know, which match forward matchups you want to throw out there. So I would give Kuhlman a look there for sure. And see um, if he can help generate some more offense while not sacrificing too much in Boston's own zone at the same time. The third suggestion would be um, substituting Lozon for Connor Clifton, as we saw on Sunday's game against the Capitals. Lozon looked okay. Uh, Matt Grizzlick looked amazing. He's 
one of my favorite Bruins. I really like his game. Lozon did take a penalty there and kind of got caught a few times chasing the Canes. Cliff, Cliffy is a very strong skater, can move the puck, but he also brings that edge and physicality as well. The lefty-righty situation, I kind of favor. Uh, so, yeah, again, in the, in the back-to-back scenario, maybe let Lozon watch this from, from above, take some notes, and let Cliffy uh, take over for a game and see what he can do in there. Um, again, I'm recording this prior to when uh, Bruce Cassidy will be making those decisions, but those are just some things uh, to think about and suggest um, whether you agree or not. Let me know. Hit me up at LO underscore Boston Bruins and uh, let me know if and any changes you would make to the Bruins lineup for game two. I should add again that uh, a little programming note. I here on Thursday, I'm on my way to the Niagara region to celebrate wedding anniversary with my wife. We um, just actually purchased a new to us van on Wednesday, and I actually had to watch uh, double overtime driving on Ontario's busiest highway en route to pick up said van, which was quite an experience in August heat and traffic on that highway. Um, But all that to say, I will be kind of off the grid here tonight for game two. Tomorrow, in the aftermath of that game, as I bike around the Niagara region doing some wine tasting. Not a bad Friday afternoon. And then Saturday for game three, I'll be kind of en route home trying to watch the game. Um, and I will record the fifth podcast of this week, either sometime in the evening on Saturday or uh, early on Sunday so that, uh, we get that recap of game two and game three out there. So just for your information, if you're looking for a podcast on Friday, you won't see one until the weekend. And I'll talk about games two and three at that point, barring any more crazy overtime games that cause uh, any bumps in the Bruins' schedule. Now let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. I guess the bigger story, apart from games on Wednesday, was the Toronto Maple Leafs wrap-up. And, uh, you know, they said that they were embarrassed, frustrated. Austin Matthews believes they have the talent to break through. Um, You hate to see what they're going through. Brendan Shanahan said, we in some ways have taken a step back, but we are determined in spite of that to take more steps forward. He has complete faith in Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe as coach and general manager. And uh, he has complete confidence in what they are doing in Toronto. Their potential for growth, he said, is even greater than it was a couple years ago. And he's confident they're going to get it done. You just have to work. Whether that means changes are on the way, you know, the Leafs had uh, a line in game five against Columbus that featured three players making over $10 million a season and they weren't able to score, which is crazy. Jake Muzzin said, this group needs to dig in more. 
They have skill, talent, and speed, but when it comes to playoff hockey, the will to win has to burn a little hotter compared to the other stuff. And once they find that, then they'll be dangerous in his estimation. So I'll be interested to see if there are any changes for the um, for the Maple Leafs in the offseason. One change that was made in Pittsburgh could have a trickle-down effect to the Boston Bruins. They announced that assistant coaches Sergei Gonchar, Jacques Martin, and Mark Recchi's contracts will not be renewed for next season. I would love to have Mark Recchi join the Bruins in some capacity. He was hired as a player development coach in 2014 before being named an assistant in 2017. Uh, he was, of course, elected the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2017. I was uh, had the pleasure of interviewing him during his induction, which I should track down the audio from that and, and put it on the podcast at some point. Um, and I think he has perhaps some management aspirations. So, yeah, I'd love for Don Sweeney to reach out and, and get Recky on board the Bruins in some capacity. Uh, as I record, one other game here is complete on Wednesday, and that is the New York Islanders surprising the Washington Capitals with a uh, 4-2 win. I did pick the Capitals to lose that series, so I'm feeling pretty good about that at the moment. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Again, what a relief it was to see our Bruins win again uh, for seemingly the first time in quite a long time. Uh, Very encouraged by their performance in Game 1. I had said all along that I wasn't too concerned about the round robin and that I believed they would uh, or could and would turn it on when the games mattered most. And that's certainly what we saw in Game 1, even though it went to double overtime. Uh, the numbers certainly prove that it was indeed Boston's game to take from the series. And hopefully they're able to build here with a uh, win in game two and also in game. Yeah, let's just sweep the Hurricanes again, shall we? Anyways, that's it for me for a couple of days. I'm looking forward to a couple of days off, but you can always find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. You can find me, uh, yeah, email me if you want at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. And uh, I hope you're all enjoying the playoffs so far. And I'm so thankful for just, uh, yeah, all the listeners. Uh, our our listenership is well up over the last month, certainly, and, and for the year. So I'm very much appreciative of that. And, and thank you so much for uh, those of you who listen frequently. Uh, please tell a Bruins-loving friend or family member about the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Take care, friends.